Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. There are a couple of juicy rumors coming out of the NFL Combine relating to the Denver Broncos. What do we believe? What don't we believe? We'll go over it here. It's James Merlatt filling in for Brandon Stokely today. We do believe that uh, Cortland Sutton is on the trade block. That is that is being reported um, yeah. in... in a, yeah, it's being reported. Lindsey Jones reported this a couple of weeks ago. Matthew yeah. Barry now putting it out there that the Broncos are quietly shopping Cortland Sutton. I don't think, I don't think this is a hot take, and we'll get to the, the two other rumors here. But I don't think it's a hot take. You and I, with just our normal deduction s- skills, Stokely the same. It's going to be really, 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 really hard to move Cortland Sutton. Yeah. I think I think these rumors are more the Broncos trying to let everybody know he's available if you want to call. I don't imagine uh, that George Payton's having to use his call waiting a lot. I don't think he's getting multiple calls on this. No, and it, look, chances are if you wanted to move Cortland Sutton, and this is the harsh reality of it, because here's the bottom line: it's a bad contract. Full stop. Yeah, it's, it's a, a it's a bad contract. For what you're getting doesn't mean that Cortland Sutton can't go out there and have a great season because um, he could, but he's got four touchdowns in the last three seasons combined. You signed him up to like a sixty million dollar deal, thirty five million uh, guaranteed. It's just a bad deal. Well, and what makes it so bad? Look, the Tim Patrick one is looking like it might turn out to be a bad deal, but he got hurt during the contract. Like that's just a that's just an unfortunate circumstance. Cortland Sutton was midway through a season where we were all watching Twitter posts trying to determine how much he was limping or not. And, yeah, he was out there battling through it, and he had the really good game early in that year down in Jacksonville. Yes. And maybe that, you know, gave the the Broncos a false sense of, hey, he's back. But to give give a guy that kind of contract before you've seen that he returned to his pre-injury level is just – inexcusable to me. Good for Cortland Sutton. He got his money, but George Payton, what are you doing? So uh, I took a deep dive into that season and um, if and people forget, and I get that it, everyone... painful. Well, it, it was when we found out where the chunk of the production was coming from. Get to that in a second, but after they did the deal, most folks were fist pumping around here like yeah. they got Patrick and Sutton around here and me and Stokely came and we're like as we often do, like, not to be negative, but this doesn't feel right. You just went into the draft and invested back-to-back picks for the seventh time in NFL history, first and second wild ride receivers, and you're paying the two other guys that were here before you made that investment, and you're going to pay them, and then you hope that the two young draft picks blossom, and then you pay them too. It's like, wait, hold on. How much are we investing into the wide receiver position? Yeah, something was going to fall apart there, right? Like, all four of those couldn't work out. The first-round pick, the second-round pick, and then the two contracts, you're not going to have four really good wide receivers producing. You're just not. And let, I mean, 
Stoke was on one of the few teams that had three guys get a thousand yards. So all four of them can't work out. I guess they were hedging their bets on one of them doesn't. You're fine. But a draft pick's a heck of a lot easier to bounce back from that didn't work out, especially right. the second round pick right. than those two contracts. Because here you are, Cortland Sutton heading into 2023, and it's a contract you can't move. So uh, when I took a dive into Cortland's season in the in the one he got paid, you can draw a you could take a sharpie and draw a line from the time before he signed the contract and after. It was the bye week. Sutton fell off a cliff after that contract got yeah. signed. Yeah. He fell off a cliff. Now in that season, he had seven hundred and seventy six yards. That's a fine season. Is that worth a $60 million deal with 35 guaranteed? Of course not. That's but such a pedestrian season. That's, it, 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 it's mediocre. I, I, I call it a fine. Okay. Semantics. You're right. It's fine, right? You're right. He had 159 yards against Jacksonville. Week two? Week two. Had 120 at the Steelers. I don't have the math in front of me because I broke it down at the time. It was like 35% of his season production was those two games. Well, it's 279 yards in two games. He had 700 and some total. So he had less than 500 if you take those two games out. And then if you add the Raiders game where he had 94 yards against the Raiders at home, if you put those three games together, it's almost 50% of the entire season's production. Yeah, that's 373 yards or whatever. And And it was 776. It was like 49%. Of the season, so total the other, production came in three games. In the other thirteen games, he might have. Did he miss any due to injury that year? Uh maybe one. But I'm I'm looking at a full season. But here. in the other thirteen games, he had 400 yards, roughly. Yeah, it, like there was games like one reception for 13 yards That's against 30 Kansas yards City. A game, Zach. Four receptions for 33 yards against uh, the Raiders. Two receptions for 12 yards against the Bengals. One reception for nine yards against the Lions. This is the same season that they signed him to the deal. And and I don't mean this disrespectfully to Brandon Johnson, but if Brandon Johnson was out there playing as many snaps as Cortland Sutton, he can put up those numbers. See, this is why, this is why, and and, and I want to get into I want to get into the focal point of the tease and the two juicy rumors that are coming out of the combine, but I cannot continue this conversation without me mentioning this. I've been saying to Stokely that there are going to be a collection of moments this season during the football season where moves that George Payton made before Sean Payton's arrival are going to drive Sean Payton crazy. Right now, it's all good. Right now, it's kind of harmony. Like, you're not feeling the pain. If Randy Gregory's not available and he's occupying what he's occupying from your cap, if Russell Wilson can't play, and mm-hmm. if you need to move on, you're going to be hamstrung, and we're going to talk about that in a second. There are going to be these aggravating events that happen. Like you're, He's going to be looking at, like, I know what a number one looks like. That was Michael Thomas four years ago. Who is that, and why did you pay him $60 million? And I think that there's going to be a collection of frustrating moments that probably come with some losses that has Sean Payton looking up at general manager George Payton like, Wow, this is this is why it's such a mess. I I can't stand some of the stuff that you did, and that will be where the relationship fully fractures. Yeah, and I think you can, if you're George Payton, you have to have an explanation. So you can show him the tape of Tim Patrick at Dallas in 2021 and be like, "That's look at this guy. This guy can play. He blew out his knee in training camp last year. Well, it, stuff happens. You could even." break out the tape of the last two or three games of the 2021 season for the Seahawks and say, look at the way Russell Wilson played once his finger was healed. Yeah. 
He's the same guy. Yeah. You don't know how bad it was here without a quarterback. You don't know how bad it is when you don't have one. You had Drew Brees, and then you had Jameis Winston and Teddy Bridgewater, and they were light years better than some of the guys we had. So we had to make that move. You can at least explain that one. The Cortland Sutton one, I guess you show him the Jacksonville game and say, hey, we thought he was back. We thought he was. we, we had recovered from the injury. But it, I, I just think when a guy's hobbling around and just trying to battle his way through and you give him that kind of a deal, that's that's on you. So I, I, I think there's going to be those moments that arise. And we didn't even talk about Jerry Judy, how frustrating he can be. That's been a first-round pick. K.J. Hamler, who's got, you know. Those are on John, though. Th- three career touchdowns. Oh, yeah, true, 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 true. Those true, two true. are on John. Good point, good point, good point. Good See, point. George has already got that excuse. No, but this, this, is what, this is what highlighted the disjointed nature of it because the Sutton and Tim Patrick picks, those were under John Elway's regime. George Payton came in in his first year, paid the former regimes like like two cycles ago wide receivers. Not even the, like the, the new ones are the Judy and Hamler, but it's anyway. He was trying to live up to what he said when he got introduced, that our plan is to draft and develop and we want to keep our guys. Now, he didn't draft those guys, but those were two guys that came in and performed well as Broncos, so he was trying to reward them. He was trying to do the opposite of what John did with Orlando and with Noshan Marino and with Eric Decker, and the list goes on and on and on. Julius Thomas, he was trying to do the opposite. Now, George Payton is way more what John Elway was, right? It's like, oh, well, you didn't want to pay Brad, Bradley Chubb. You didn't want to pay – doesn't look like you want to pay Draymond Jones. The, the list is starting to go on and on of guys that he's seemingly letting just walk out of town – it's been very disjointed around here, and I think right now when you have a GM that has been here longer than your head coach, it's going to remain disjointed at least for a while. Yep, it is. It is. It is. Um, okay, couple juicy rumors coming out of the NFL Combine relating to the Broncos. What do we believe? What don't we believe? You're gonna, Matt, you're going to make me mad. Matthew Barry. What did I do? Well, not you're not. He's going to. M- Matthew Barry, who has covered the NFL for really like as long as I can remember. It's been a couple decades for him. He was very big on the um, kind of the ground floor of fantasy as fantasy yeah, football was he's exploding. Great he's great at that. Um, he's crossed over, does some other stuff, but really his, his, his main thing is fantasy still. But he's, he's, uh, he's at the Combine, and he wrote a piece, 23 things I heard in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. And he's got three different thoughts on the Broncos. One is the Broncos are shopping Sutton. Okay, we've covered that. 23 things I heard in Indy. Quote, speaking of big-name quarterbacks coming off down years, he was just talking about Stafford before. He said, speaking of big-name quarterbacks coming off down years, more than one person mentioned to me that Russell Wilson is basically on a one-year audition. There's no way Denver can cut him this year. But next year, while the dead cap would certainly be bad, it could be spread out over two years and wouldn't be franchise crippling. Said one source, quote, I don't think Sean Payton likes Russell. He's got one year to prove himself or Sean Payton will move on. This source pointed out that Payton, Sean Payton, has said multiple times in public on the record how Russell keeps, quote, bothering Drew Brees. Peyton tries to play it off for a laugh, but my source didn't think Peyton actually thinks, uh, actually think it's funny, end quote. 
Okay, there's a lot of things in here that bother me. So I'll just start rattling through them. Sure. One, his math is bad, right? The dead cap right now is $107 million. If you split that, and it's not a 50-50 split, but let's just use that for the sake of ease. It's $53.5 million this year, $53.5 million next year. If you have him play this year, it's $22 million towards your cap. And then the dead cap heading into next year, if you cut him, is $85 million. 85 and 22 is 107. You don't get out of the dead cap. It's a, it's a, it, that's what happens with guaranteed money and with signing bonuses. You can't get out of it. It's just when you pay it. So, and then if you split 85, it's 42 and a half. Is that really that much better than 53 and a half? Like you'd be, you'd be better off to just eat it. If you're going to eat it, eat it. Why pay him? Why have it be 22 against the cap this year? And then it's 42 and a half and 42 and a half because now you're paying Zach. It's been over three years. Just have your pain be over two and move on. It's not a significant amount of money. It's not like it goes from 50 to each year if you, when you split it to 15, which is what he makes it sound like. It's $85 million if you cut him a year from now that they would have to split over two years. That's not a good number either. Russell Wilson is going to be here at least through 2024, probably through 2025 when you start looking at dead cap numbers and all the rest of that stuff. So, I, I don't know about that. Can't you take that number and spread it over a couple different years? Over two? Yeah. So 85 over two is still 42 and a half. So that's the part of it I, I don't buy. The second part of this is... Wait, don't buy that the Broncos would would eat that money and spread it over two years? I just don't think it's a one-year audition. I, I don't because I think next year is still cap prohibitive. The year after, I think, is still somewhat cap prohibitive when it's 49 and a half. Yeah. But the cap's going to go up and up and up. So it's like, okay, let's split it. Let's 25 and 25. We're done. But at that point, you've still now had Russell Wilson paying for four years, starting from now, four years forward, plus last year. So you've had five years of Russell Wilson paying. Like, if you're going to cut your losses, it's the one thing I agree with DMAC on when it comes to Russell Wilson. Just do it now. Like, just start the pain now. In, in, in that's a hundred and seven million dollars. I get it, and no, but no, it's going to be a hundred and seven no, million dollars no matter what. But you're not getting out of that. It's just how many years do you have the pain? But your investment was so great in terms of what you gave up for him, and his career has been such that it's it, it's it's totally unrealistic that you would do it now. You I might agree. as well give it an extra extra year college try under Sean Payton and see if you can get this guy fixed. I agree, and he got a $50 million signing bonus and $161 million guaranteed. They ain't paying him $161 million for what we saw last year. Right. <laughs> They're just not. Right, right. And you know what? They ain't paying him that for two years either. See, so but he's but, going to be J- around. James, if he goes out and throws 16 touchdowns, he will not be the Broncos' plan in 2024. We'll We'll see. He cannot throw 16 touchdowns and sell this fan base that he's coming okay. back the next year. Okay, but here's the thing. Matthew Barry, in his in what you read, mm-hmm. he just says it of, oh, it's much better next year, and you can split it over two years. Not when you look at the numbers. It's not that much different. 107 and 85, when you also ate 22 of it this year, like, it's not that much better. It's not. It's not as though it's like, oh, you've escaped You've escaped the salary cap purgatory with Russell Wilson. You haven't. It's still awful. It's it's still there. There's no there's no pill that's going to make this thing go away. Right. So that's the first part of it I have a problem with. The other part of it I have a problem with is he doesn't like Russell Wilson. Man, that you better have more than I talked to a couple people at whatever bar you were at to throw that out there. And he's he's he said that Russell Wilson has been bothering Drew Brees. No, he didn't. He said Russell Wilson's been wearing out Drew Brees. There's a difference. 
Okay. If I'm wearing you out, it's a little bit. It's a little bit more of like, come on, man. Versus you're bothering me. It, okay, that's different to me. Okay. The other part of it is that Sean Payton's trying to pass it off as a joke. We saw it at Sean Payton's introductory press conference. There were a couple times he tried to add some levity. We saw when he was on Fox. There were times when he tried to add some levity. Agreed. Sean Payton just isn't funny, and I'm fine with that. We just had funny. I don't need a stand-up comedian running the team, but he's not funny. I truly think he was trying to make light of the situation, just like he was trying to make light of the dinner with Joe Montana at Super Bowl week of, like, Russ wanted to talk football. I wanted to talk to Joe Montana. Because, you know, you and I both would, too. It's Joe freaking Montana. Right, right, right. right. I'm I'm starstruck. Let's talk about when you saw John Candy down in the in the end zone in Super Bowl twenty three. Like, yeah, that you have one time to talk to Joe Montana. You have months to talk to Russell Wilson. But I think it's so grossly unfair to just beat up Paxton Lynch because he's not committed to football and he wants to play Xbox and he wants to do this and he wants to do that. And now you're gonna beat up Russell Wilson too because the guy is wearing out Drew Brees. Wait, help me out with the Paxton thing. Why did he just get included in there? Because ever there's so many people in the sound and so many media members who just killed. That guy, because he's not dedicated to football. And now we're killing Russell Wilson, too, because he's overly dedicated to football? Got you. Then you're just never going to be happy. You just want to gripe and complain. Well, it, it, Not you, the uh, royal yeah. you. The, 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 the genesis of it is bad football and getting your rage out on something because you're so woefully let down from a first-round draft pick and a quarter-billion-dollar quarterback. I, I get it. But what is more likely that Nathaniel Hackett and his group of Cabo golf buddies – were so grossly incom- that they were grossly incompetent, which we kind of saw evidence of when Jerry Rosberg got things back on track a little bit. What's more likely that they're grossly incompetent, or a nine-time Pro Bowler just suddenly forgot how to play football? Well, you know, James, I think there's uh, space in between for a couple things to 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 both be true. Like we like because because in that uh, option A or option B, you did not include Russell's involvement in the entire operation. It was a partnership, and that's how he described it. Like, this is, this is player-led. But he said who allowed it, that? Who's the boss? Uh, Russell Wilson. When they, when well, it they, shouldn't have been. It, it shouldn't have been. But when they rolled Angela out the red... The boss, not Tony Danza. When they rolled out the red carpet and made all the concessions, and you got the head coach saying, it's Russell freaking Wilson, y'all. Like, it became a collaboration and no longer player-coach. And I think to... to to totally leave Russ blameless for that isn't, I think, telling the whole story. But also, I just remember Russ out on the football field just, like, looking lost at times. Like, oh, my goodness. Like, I'm, I'm with you. But that's what happens when you try to run the most complicated offense ever designed, right? And it's – I blame the parent for the teenager who's running wild, not the teenager. And so I blame Nathaniel Hackett, not Russell Wilson. If you're going to empower me, you, what, you think I'm going to say No. But then when Russell Wilson had it pointed out that this is not working, he didn't dig in his he, heels. He acquiesced. He, he did. didn't say, right. hey, I got 161 right. million bucks coming my way. I ain't moving. See, this is what I love about this coming season and why it's so fascinating. Is I, 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 I used to go to this basketball camp growing up. It's called Nowhere to Hide. There's no excuses. There's no excuses. There's nowhere to run. You wanted Sean Payton when you were in Seattle. Yep. Well, Look no further. You you got him here in Denver, and you can wash away, and you can you can make Broncos country and me and you a uh, chalk up twenty twenty two to 
the Hackett era and the ineptitude of an operation that just just jumped the shark. And but but again, if it doesn't happen this year, going back to the nucleus of Matthew Barry's report, if it doesn't happen this year, at the center of this thing, I agree with Barry. It, Sean Payton will move on from Russell. And I'd go so far to say, and I don't think this is a hot take, I don't think Sean Payton takes this job without the blessing of the Walton-Penner family ownership group that, hey, look, look, I know I know how this past year went. If it doesn't go well again, we have the resources. We'll move on. We shall see. But the fact that he didn't include the numbers is because the numbers don't back up his argument. The other part of it, though, the, the in terms of the dead cap, you're saying. Yeah, because okay. it's not significantly different, and he makes it sound like it is. So I have issue with that. I have a huge issue with him saying Sean Payton doesn't like Russell Wilson. That to me, that's unless, fair. That's fair. That's super anecdotal, and it's it's non-source, and it's just like unless Sean Payton told you that, yeah, that's irresponsible to say because people can't unhear that. That oh, okay, just just finish your thought here. And, and they're going to be answering about that the rest of the year. There's going to be a certain number of people who heard that and don't get that out of their mind. So unless Sean Payton told you which would make it true, or his wife or someone that, like, yeah, he can't stand this guy. That better not have just been something you heard at whatever the – at St. Elmo's. So, totally get what you're saying. Because that's irresponsible and balderdash. To- totally get what you're saying. Um, now let's forget this report for a second. Okay. P- partially. Is it that crazy to think that Sean Payton would roll his eyes at Russell Wilson like so many others have? If he does – His reputation in the league is terrible. It's it's not good, James. It's not good. If he does because Russell Wilson's trying to get info from Drew Brees and wants to talk football, then then my worries about Sean Payton being in this for the wrong thing, I think are going to be justified. I, I think if you're upset that your quarterback wants to work, that's on you. That's you as a head coach that wants to be a celebrity and wants to hang out and wants to have fancy steak dinners and doesn't want to work and doesn't want to grind. What if? But but again, that's like reducing it down to like you can't you can't close your eyes and be like, yeah, Sean Payton dislikes Russell because he loves the work so much. That's what he said. It's I, the, I, he's bothering he's bothering Drew Brees. What if it's How? like what, what what if what if what if Drew Brees and for him to say that? What if Drew's like, yo. This dude, it's different, man. The Russell, Russell's FaceTiming me because that was where last summer, like Russell FaceTimes people. He's like, dude, Sean, this guy's FaceTiming every day like that. Maybe. Hey, but it, what the heck does Sean Payton care if Russell Wilson is driving Drew Brees nuts? Why does if, he care? What if what if all the other stuff that we knew about this past year when Sean Payton finds out is like, wow, they like this dude is really was doing all this, and that just is a bad tone. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. He, if he just said. If he'd have said that Sean Payton is skeptical on Russell Wilson or is taking a wait-and-see attitude. Okay, I like it. I like it. Okay, fine. I like it. Not, to yeah, say he doesn't, he like, doesn't him. like him? How many times have they interacted at this point? Right. I, I, if Sean Payton already doesn't like Russell Wilson, then just cut him now. Just cut him now. Well, they're not cutting him now. And start the start the clock. Start the pain. And it's not like they don't know each other. We know they went out to dinner. and We know he coached him at the Pro Bowl. So there's like some Yeah, and all those indications real- are they liked each other. Yeah. Yeah, they got along well. Yeah, to the point where Russell Wilson wanted Pete Carroll fired and Sean Payton right. hired. No, you're right. You're right. You know what I think this is about? I think it's about football. I think I think Russell Wilson had the worst year that anyone could imagine, and maybe that that's at the core of of this. And again, if he just said he doesn't like Russell Wilson the player, fine. But when you say he's where, he's bothering Drew Brees, you're making it about Russell Wilson the person, and I think that's a bunch of crap. You, you know what? I think you made a couple really good points here. Thanks. All right. 
We have, do we have this ready to go? Okay. Apparently, the latest installment of J.J. Redick versus Kendrick Perkins oh, yeah. got real. Hang tight. It's next. Do we want to get right? Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Stokely and Zach. All right, so the last week of, can we just call them Nikola narratives? I mean, Kendrick Perkins, who I've, on the record, like a fan of, have liked his sort of ascension. Um, I think he's gotten better. I think he comes from a unique point of view. This past week, I mean, he just lost me for, uh, there's no other way of, of saying it. Um, you have... Let's go over the briefly the arc here before we lead into the audio. For, okay. And I haven't even heard it, but apparently it got it got real. It's a doozy. Okay, so hang tight. So this is this is the brief um, timeline uh, in my rendition of it. So I'm going to editorialize okay. a little bit here. You have Kendrick Perkins flat out accused Nikola Jokic specifically of stat padding, which is 180 degrees from reality. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. watch the game last night. Yeah. Jokic was almost maddening. There was six other Nuggets that took more shots than Jokic last night. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the fact that he gets within one rebound or one assist, one assist. so often that they now have a oh, name yeah. for yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a Sambor double, they call from Sambor, Serbia. Is evidence that he's the opposite of a stat pattern. And this is why I ask, like, are you actually watching the games? No, because they're also 25-0 and 0 when he has a triple-double. If right. you were doing it just trying to get stats, you would lose some of those games because you're hurting your team. And you quite literally have the longest streak of wins tied to an individual's triple-doubles in the history of the league. And that's I think that's what, why that one infuriated me so much was because it's just so unbelievably wrong. It's made up. Yeah, it's, completely it's, made it's up. It's literally crafted. And when he was saying it, Kendrick Perkins admitted that when he was trying to become the Celtics' all-time leader in field goal percentage, he kept getting in trouble because he wouldn't shoot, like, elbow jumpers. Elbow jumpers, right. And didn't want to hurt his percentage. I'm like, yeah. all right, well, you, you, I just lost all respect for you because you just admitted you weren't playing the game true. You were trying to pad your stats. So, okay, I'm going to tune you out on this topic. So, quick recap. Accuses Jokic of stat padding. J.J. Reddick gets on the air and eviscerates that theory using just basketball takes. Yep. Perkins responds and literally doesn't address the game of basketball. Literally does not address Jokic's game, his stats, the wins and losses, and reduces it down, clumping him with Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki and saying, like, basically playing the race card, like, hey, not a top 10 scorer, which isn't true because Jokic was a top 10 scorer. When he has won the MVP. He was sixth, I He was believe, sixth last in the year. league in scoring. He averaged like 27 points a game or whatever it was. I think was. the other year he was 11th. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I think Dirk was 11th, too. So it's like... And again, okay. and again, Dirk, Dirk, which is, I believe, the seventh all-time leading point scorer in NBA history, and Nash, who retired as, I think, third all-time in assists. Let's ignore that. So he just, he kind of, he, he did, you know, kind of left it out there. Like, what do they have in common, huh? Like, made it about race, which is just like... Wow, you didn't even address basketball. He hit you with nothing but basketball, and you went race. So then you have, and this is my favorite part, the most painfully ironic part, Giannis Antetokounmpo in a game that I'm watching. I am watching this thing. I did the Superbook Super Stroll. Like, I'm taking under. I'm watching this game, and with no time left, three seconds left, Giannis, who is now runner-up for MVP 
right on the heels of Jokic, literally throws it off his own backboard to register a triple-double. The NBA last night rescinded it. They said, You're, this doesn't count. Last night, they rescinded it. Good. So so it was such an inorganic play. I've only seen it twice either before. I remember Bobby Sura purposely missed a layup to get a triple-double, and Ricky Davis actually threw it off his own rim after an inbound pass. <laughs> YouTube that. Ricky Davis, Iowa's finest. Uh, so wow. Giannis does this, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is so perfect. Like Kendrick yeah. is, is just like so so incredible. That leads us to today. Part- it's not like you had to go back a year to find that video. Like it literally was, happened yes, since he accused him of being a stat batter. Which you can't make up. No, I, you, I, you can't. just you just can't make it up. So that leads us to this morning. I haven't heard this yet. This is this first take. Okay. So this is JJ Reddick. It's about fifty five seconds, so bear with us, responding to the last week of Kendrick Perkins. Stephen, I mean no offense to you, and I mean no offense to First Take, because I think this show is extremely valuable. It is an honor to be on this desk every day. It really is. But what we've just witnessed is the problem with this show, where we create narratives that do not exist in reality. The implication, what you are implying, that the white voters that vote on NBA are racist, that are, they, they favor white people. You I just not, said that. I, you I ju- did yes, not, you did. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. That is exactly what you implied, Kendrick Perkins. That is exactly what you implied. Secondly, hold on, hold on. I did not call. I stated the facts. I stated the facts. And you're not about to sit up. We all know what you implied the other day. We all know what you implied just now. Hold on. I stated the facts. It's the facts. It's the facts. It's the facts. Okay. Yikes. So... Listen, we all know what he was insinuating. Now, when J.J. Reddick points it out, he's like, I wasn't insinuating anything. I was just stating the facts. Like, yeah, you were. It, just it was so crystal clear. Stand behind your take. Yeah. Like, when you say four or five times, what do Nikola Jokic, Dirk Nowitzki, and Steve Nash have in common? It's not because they're all foreign. No. <laughs> no. It, it, so it's like, okay, it, listen, I think it's a terrible take, but at least stand behind it. Yeah. And instead of just shouting about how he was just stating facts, it's like, but you're stating a fact that makes in trying to make this huge accusation with those facts. You're not just stating facts. You're making an accusation, which is exactly what JJ Reddick said, that the white voters are favoring white players when it comes to the, all, the MVP vote. And I just, for one, it, it in the eyes of a certain percentage of fans who hear this white black whatever that's going to register in the head and it now does tarnish Nikola Jokic's to some degree it's unbelievable his MVPs through no fault of his own which is grossly unfair like that's a really bad thing to do but it's also like one of those things of like listen man you need to have more than none of those guys were top 10 scores when two of them were 11th one of them was sixth so you're kind of cherry-picking your facts here. Totally. You better have more evidence than that if you're going to accuse somebody of racism. And if you do, then everybody, if you have facts to support it, then everybody should be screaming and hollering that those MVP voters who you can prove did, did something based on race should have their vote stripped and should be never allowed to be involved with the game again and all those kind of things. But you got no facts. You don't have facts. You're just cherry-picking certain stats to try to insinuate a point that is – Terribly unfair and a huge accusation. You better have more than that when you come with that accusation against people and you're tarnishing somebody's accomplishment in the process. Three people's. And, and, and you really are. And they're three of the greatest players we've ever seen. 
I'm just, I'm kind of back where I was um, when I first heard the audio of him going there in the first place. I am just so disappointed in Kendrick Perkins. I was hoping that after a second to let the dust settle and maybe there's some, um, a new perspective was shared with you or you heard a different angle and he came on there. I, I was, I was honestly holding out hope that he came on there and was like, you want to know what? I'm not giving Jokic his just due. Like while, while I do want to point that out and maybe I want to uh, uh, examine it more closely in, in trying to do that, I took away from what Jokic is actually doing right now. But he didn't do any of that. He's doubling down. And the fact that he never talked about basketball, that's where I get lost. Like this is a basketball award. And the fact that he never dove into like this one's not hard to follow. It's the best team in the Western Conference. The The biggest gap between any playoff slotting is the first seed from the second seed. They are secretariat of the Western Conference right now. He's averaging a triple-double as a center, which has never been done before. He's averaging as many steals as the reigning defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart. Like this, And then the advanced stats, if you include analytics, which you don't even need to make the argument, the raw sat stats say it. The advanced stats scream it again. And the fact that he didn't touch the game of basketball when giving his analysis on the MVP, it's like, what are we doing? What is this? What is this? And back to his original point, he was talking about how the goalpost keeps being moved, right? Like, is it about winning? Is it about numbers? What's it about? Well, that's by design. The MVP is an inherently subjective award because I think if you just said it's about scoring. Well, then it's just who led the league in scoring. You're the MVP. That You already have – you don't get an award for it, but you already were the NBA's leading scorer. Like, that, that, that is the accomplishment, right? And it's not about just, hey, you're the best player on the one seed. You could be surrounded by a bunch of all-stars. How yeah. big of an accomplishment is that at certain times? So if you take the, the two other MVPs, I think Jokic – I think they were the third seed two years ago. Mm-hmm. Beat Portland in the first round. Mm-hmm. And then got swept by Phoenix. Yep. And by that and, he, and by that point in the playoffs, they didn't have Jamal Murray. Nope. Now they got to the three seed because Murray was there all the way till April. He didn't right. get hurt till mid April. Right. And then in the series against Phoenix, Michael Porter Jr. was not himself. He was having back issues. But they were the third seed. It wasn't like they right. limped into the playoffs. Right. Last year. Without Michael Porter Jr. for all of nine games? Yeah, he missed missed every game but the first nine. And without Jamal Murray the entire season. So Aaron Gordon is your second best option. You're playing with guys that, I mean, just go watch some of those games. Austin Rivers and Faco Campazzo and Will Barton, yeah. You avoided the play-in game with that group that every single night it was on you to go be great or your team had no shot. If that's not an MVP caliber performance even though you finished with the sixth seed then just give it to the leading score again and but 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 what you just did right there you you painted a picture with context you painted the full picture of why we arrived at these MVPs Jokic has arrived at these different MVPs from different angles right and you 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 framed an argument with context that's my least my most disappointing thing with Perkins is he just reduced it down to the color of this guy's skin and by doing so, you are just tearing down this historic. The Nuggets right now are the greatest offense of all time. Greatest offense in NBA history. He's leading you in points, rebounds, and assists for the best team in the Western Conference. Again, it's an easy story to follow. And we've made it so difficult and cloudy. And I just hate it that this is the time period that we're in. 
Yeah, and it's, you know, it's just almost every year the MVP is debatable, right? Because it's yeah. subjective. Yeah. And there's always a good candidate. There's great players, right? And was there a debate when it was Steve Nash over Kobe Bryant? Of yeah. course, yes. But you know when else there was a debate? When they decided, we're sick of Michael getting it, let's give it to Charles. We're sick of Michael getting it, let's give it to Carl Malone. Yep. It, they it, do it, the same thing with LeBron. But Kendrick Perkins acts like the only time it's debatable is when, hey, there's a, a white guy having a decent enough season we can give it to him, which I think is... Again, it's that's irresponsible and unfair. Yeah. And it was just two weeks ago Perkins was singing his praises, and now he's chosen this lane, and now he's like— Well, that's why that's what J.J. Reddick said when it's the problem with this this type of show and this show. Yeah. Is he said it because they're trying to drum up conversation, and it's, hey, what what's controversial? What's yeah. going to get noticed? And then once you're in that lane, you, now, that's now your you got to stick with it. And Goodness. Yeah. That was—that's unfortunate, to put it mildly. Uh, yeah, disappointing. Okay. Uh, they say— you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And yesterday was another perfect example in the NFL. Hang tight. We'll fill you in next. You're listening to Stokely and Zach on Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. They say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Was yesterday another example of it in the NFL? A lot going on uh, in the NFL, and we'll get you caught up on uh, some of the stuff you need to know here shortly. As we are, if you're listening in real time and not after the fact on the Stokely and Zach podcast, available at denversports.com or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, in real time, we're just over an hour uh, before the franchise tag deadline. All right, so we'll catch up on what you need to know as we walk you up right to that timestamp. Uh, speaking of podcasts, we were just talking about Nuggets. Uh, James uh, James Merrillat filling in for Stoke today uh, came in uh, early this morning uh, and recorded the Mile High Hoops podcast, reacting to uh, last night's win over the Toronto Raptors. The Nuggets fourth in a row, uh, eight in the last nine. It is now uh, for Denver. So the beat goes on. If you want to hear that, that's at denversports.com or wherever you get your podcasts as well. But yesterday we had two different reports on the same day. What do we believe? What don't we believe? One came from Rich Eisen on some of the stuff he was hearing from the NFL Combine. He said, quote, this one just blew my mind. Tom Brady might not be done after all. Wow. That, that wouldn't shock me. I think Tom Brady was done with the Bucks. I don't know that Tom Brady was done with football. Eisen, the Bucks also, like, the Saints 31st in terms of cap space. Like, they're in a world of hurt. Yeah. The Bucks are, like, $35 million even worse off than them. So it's like, how are they going to? add whatever they may need to add. So I think he was done with the Bucks. I'm not sure he's done with football. I, I, I kind of buy that one. Eisen went on to say a couple people were just like, hang on, you, you just wait. And I was like, he's Instagramming out pictures of his cat. But it doesn't look like he's been getting big and fat, does it? Let's let it play out. Let's see who wants what. Rich Eisen then named the Dolphins as a potential destination. He said, quote, the one place that folks are saying to keep an eye out is for Miami. If the Dolphins somehow or some way get a doctor's report or a piece of info from a medical evaluation of Tua that he might not be ready to go, and suddenly there's Tom Brady sitting in Florida where his family is located and where he can easily locate himself, Eisen said, quote, keep an eye out on that. I was told by a couple birdies 
at the Combine, end quote. I could see that. Clearly, he lives in Florida, so that's convenient to be around the kids and all that sort of thing. Uh, I just, you know, if, has he fi- filed his paperwork, his retirement paperwork? Don't know. And if he hasn't, the question is, well, it's March 7th. What's the holdup? Mm. So if you're leaving the door open, you're leaving the door open for a reason. If it was a one-off season, if it was a one-off season, okay, who would you rather have? 2023 for the Denver Broncos. Russell Wilson or Tom Brady? Tom Brady. Every day of the week and twice on Sunday. You? Tom Brady. Yeah. Every day of the week, three times on Sunday. I uh, mean, this Monday, guy. Thursday, whatever. And this guy, Brady, this past year, threw for 25 touchdowns and nine interceptions. That's approaching three to one touchdown to interception ratio. Yeah, and he had a quote-unquote bad year. And those were his numbers. And, look, I'm going to try and play amateur psychologist here, but what I'm guessing, Peyton Manning had to walk walk into the sunset seven years ago today, by the way. Is that right? Uh-huh. Um, had to walk off into the sunset after a down season. And I'm sure that kind of rubbed him the wrong way. But he also had a Super Bowl ring. So that made it a little bit easier. Of, you know, do you want to come back for that fifth year of your contract? Try to show everybody, hey, I'm better than I showed last year. And I was banged up. Yeah. And I, but I really think part of it was he was, it was square peg round hole. He was playing Gary Kubiak's offense. Like that was going to be the same thing in 2016. So was it going to be drastically different number wise? Probably not. If they'd let Peyton come back in 2016 and do what Peyton wanted to do offensively. Right. With that defense, we would have gone to a, a second consecutive parade perhaps, but. Regardless, that made it easier to watch. Could walk you also by. imagine a quarterback room of Peyton and Paxton? <laughs> Would have been great. 2016 QB room. <laughs> but I bet you, even after winning a Super Bowl, there was part of Peyton Manning that, wanted, that was like, I ain't going out that way. I ain't going out that way. And he won a Super Bowl. Tom Brady probably is like, man, you know what? I wasn't at my best this year. There are plenty of reasons why he wasn't at his best, and none of us would have been. But there's got to be a part of him going, I ain't going out that way. I could have gone out the year before when I should have won MVP. Right. Stoke really thinks he should have won MVP. Yeah. If I'm not going to go out a winner, I'm at least going to go out having some some better numbers and a better year. This would not shock me at all. At all. Well, uh, you asked me a minute ago, you said, um, did he file his paperwork? He did file okay. his paperwork okay. to the NFL and the NFLPA per ESPN. He also uh, responded on Twitter uh, to a report saying that he's, quote, not done after all. He, quote, tweeted it, which means he's responding kind of directly to it. He said, anyone who thinks I have time to come back to the NFL has never adopted a two-month-old kitten for their daughter. <laughs> so we'll see if he has that energy if San Francisco doesn't have a quarterback in, you know, October or Miami or what happens. Um, I think those are the only two places that would lure him back real quickly on the way out here another piece of information rich eisen shared he said uh philip rivers called both the 49ers and dolphins about possibly coming out of retirement to help them at qb this past year hmm. well you know what this guy who never got to a super bowl and is looking for hey how could i maybe do that the niners with philip rivers as good as brock purdy was probably would have had a slightly better shot yeah. And they got to the NFC title game. Yeah. And even in his last year, uh, 24 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. So at some point, though, 
Philip Rivers needs to turn the page. Yeah. Tom Brady? Yeah. I'm not so sure he needs to. Not yet. Very interesting. Okay. Uh, it smells like there's something truly special brewing in Denver sports right now. We'll take a dive into that coming up next.